Hey guys, it's Sim and this is Brussling Unlimited as it's Wednesday. And well, you know what that means. It means tonight is AEW Dynamite. Now, I know I'm going to get the question, so I'm just going to say it right off the bat. Where's Luke? Luke went back to school. Luke went back to school. He's got night classes on Wednesday, so he's not available for the AEW streams anymore. But we still got Luke on Mondays, talking Monday Night Raw, so that's good that's still going to be fun over there. We still got Luke at least once a week, if not more. Luke's a, Luke knows that he's welcome anytime he wants to jump on and do any stream or create any content or whatever he wants. So we'll talk to Luke and see what all he wants to do, and we'll go from there. But as of right now, Luke will not be doing the Wednesday shows most weeks while school is in session. So just thought I would let you guys know that right off the bat. But with that, as far as tonight's AEW Dynamite does go, whoo, was this a show that felt like they just tried to throw so much at it? Just so much at it. Like, oh, crap, we got a big show we got to promote this week. Oh, uh, let's do this and this and this and this and this and announce this and not do that. And then have this big match at the show. And then, I'm just going to say it right now. We're, 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 the woman's four-way for the title feels like an afterthought. It feels like Tony Khan booked this show and then goes, oh, crap, we don't got a woman's match. Oh, we'll just do this. And then not build it up. Really, at all. Because tonight, what did we get from the women's division? Oh, Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. And that match, from the jump, they didn't care about that match. I mean... Ruby does this inset promo, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it more, but Ruby does an inset promo where she says she wants to go after Chris Statlander in the TBS title. So then we get an inset promo from Sky Blue that just gets cut off halfway through because Ruby wants to start attacking Sky Blue in the match before the match even starts. Like, what? Huh? Okay. And if it wasn't for them running down the card for this show... Probably people would have forgotten that we're getting a woman's match at the pay-per-view at All In because they did nothing to remind us about All In or as far as the woman's title four-way. So I'll talk more about it when we get to the Ruby and Sky Blue match. But yeah, it's very, very unfortunate that the woman's title match with four women who are all great is being considered and, and we're not, I don't know, consider is the wrong word, being Made to feel like an afterthought. Like, oh, we need one woman's match, so whatever. The title sounds cool. Or uh, a four-way for the title seems cool. So, that's just my thoughts. That the woman's title match seems like they don't even care about that match happening. Also, there was a lot on this show that they just threw out there. That really felt like we just got to get a lot of stuff done. Like, they advertised... Jack Perry retiring the FTW belt. And then they just all of a sudden, oh, that uh, collision this sun Saturday. Jack Perry will retire the FTW title, which heads up. Collision's being filmed right now. Collision's being filmed tonight. Spoilers will be out. We will have a spoiler video for that later on this evening. So just to be known. And then what was with the, the four or the, the trios match to open the show? Never happened. Air Fox out of the coffin match. Now, there's a rumor on why that happened. I'm not going to dive into that because it's been un it's not been confirmed. If someone can show me someone with credibility 
confirming that during this show, then I'll talk about it. But the reason going around Twitter, which only like three or four people are even saying, and three or four randos with no credibility are saying, I don't know. I don't know about that one, but we'll see how it all does go. Also, I do want to say rest in peace to Terry Funk, who passed away. Uh, I believe he passed away today. They haven't really stated that he passed away today or not, but yeah. With that, though, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can subscribe with a tiered subscription, just like Big Anime Fan TB did. Really do appreciate that one. Or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you... Excuse me. Whoa. <laughs> if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Let me take a drink really fast. That was weird. All right. Sorry about that. Also, remember, head over to YouTube. Hit that join button and become a channel member. Also, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game like Revenant 2, getting an old game like Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, claiming the free games, Black Black Book, or Dodo Peak. Maybe you're getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, and Fall Guys. Maybe you're getting Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair and Fortnite. Use this code right here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Also, I do want to let you guys know that later on tonight, after this stream, I'm going to be live right here, twitch.tv, no, uh, youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited and twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy playing WrestleQuest. Yes, we will finally be playing WrestleQuest. I know I said I was going to do it Monday. Then I had an issue with the game that it wouldn't let me play, but we've got that resolved. And now we're playing some WrestleQuest tonight after the stream. Again, we will be live right here YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited and Twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy. But with that, you got AEW to talk about. And again, this show was all over the place. This show had so much stuff and it was like, what do we focus on? What's going on? What the hell? Like so much just Jesus Christ. The show is supposed to open with a trios match, a six-man tag that was going to see the Elite take on Juice Robinson and the Guns. Um, the show actually, actually, before I can get it, the show does open with a immemorial graphic for Terry Funk. And then we hear, carry on highway, wayward son, don't you cry no more. Now comes the Elite. The Elite come out. They make their entrance, and then the Bullet Club comes out. Bullet Club Gold, and as they're making their entrance, they're met by the Elite on the stage. Nick hits a tope to wipe out the guns. Robinson hit a chair shot to the ribs, but the referee Rick Knox stopped him from using it again. 
Now, the match hasn't even started, so you can't DQ anybody or whatnot. So it's just like, let them fight. Whatever. This match ain't happening. The Guns and Jay White then attacked the Bucks. Like, Jay White's not supposed to be in this match. Nick was dropped to the 310 to Yuma. Matt avoided one and threw a couple of super kicks, but was dropped by a white Uranagi. Uranagi from White. Omega then stopped the Blade Runner as Colton and Austin were planted with Snapdragon, Snapdragons. Omega then popped White with the V-Trigger and wanted his Terminator dive, but was taken out by Kanosuke Takeshita. Bull Club Gold then continued their beatdown until FTR's music would hit, and they evened the odds with everyone brawling on the stage. Takeshita then wanted a home run shot on Omega, who hit a V-Trigger, tried to go for the one winged angel, but Takeshita bailed, and Omega stood tall all by himself in the middle of the ring to end the segment. Like, what is the, what is FTR keep coming to help the Bucks? I, I get it. They talk about it later. Actually, next. No, not next. Later. Later, when they go, oh, we just want to face them at their best, and we don't want them to be, you know, any less than 100%. Yeah, stupid-ass shit. Dumbs, dumb, the dumb, dumb, dumb. So then we go backstage for our first episode of Sessions with Renee Paquette. Because we got plenty of this tonight. Renee's backstage with AEW World Champion MJF. And well, with Adam Cole not around, we got smarmy MJF. Heel MJF talking shit. MJF talks about the all-in main event in London. MJF said that he's going to be real chubby up. He's going to real chubbed, be, be real chubbed up, whatever that means. And said that he's the 2023 version of the British Bulldog if he was Jewish and a good public speaker. MJF says he loves the crooked teeth Brits and wants them to make as much noise as possible during his match, promising them all a, p- a pint afterwards. And Renee's like, oh, you're going to pay for everybody to have a drink? He goes, no, nah, I'm going to expense it on Tony Khan's dime. Paquette then asks about the pressure he must be un- under having to wrestle twice on Sunday. MJF said none of this happens without the people who paved the road before him. He mentions men like Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino, Dusty Rhodes, John Cena, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, and The Undertaker. But he said he is standing on the shoulder of giants. And if he wins on Sunday, he becomes a giant himself. I can't think throw it to a clip. A clip of the potential cracks in the friendship between him and MJF. And freaking Renee out here trying to play spoiler. Trying to weave some shit in between Adam and, and Max. Trying to... Cause tension between the brochachos. MJF said that he's never had a genuine friend before. And this is not playing a... Or what did he say? This is not me ribbon being a mark. It's true. I never had a genuine friend. But Cole? Cole taught him how to let his guard down and trust people. MJF calls Cole his brother and understands why there are reservations about believing him. Asking the crowd to go on this journey with him. MJF isn't just a scumbag. He's the fans scumbag. So then we get our first match of the night. John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix. And we're like 30, 40 minutes into this show before we actually get a real match. So Moxley was able to avoid the speed of Phoenix early on, but was ultimately sent outside with the dropkick and taken out with multiple topes. Moxley got up and tore at the mask of Phoenix before hitting a violent curb stomp. Back in the ring, Moxley continued to pick Phoenix apart until the quickness nearly put Phoenix in control, only to be turned inside out with the Moxley Lariat for a two as we go to a commercial break. 
Back from the break, Moxley controlled nearly the entire thing and planted Phoenix with the pile driver for a near fall. Moxley drove the boots down onto the face, but as he turned briefly, Phoenix kipped up into a spinning kick, leading to a double down. Spinning kick. Uh, there was a spinning corner kick as well, but Moxley countered a rolling cutter into a rear naked choke. Phoenix then flipped into a roll-up and got his rolling cutter quickly thereafter. Phoenix connected with a rewind kick and followed us up with a massive frog splash for a two. Moxley then fought out of a fireman's carry into an anvil elbow and caught a spring, springing Phoenix with a forearm in midair. There was a strike battle that continued until Moxley cut off Phoenix with the, in the ropes and connected with an avalanche death rider, but Phoenix kicked out of two. Moxley was shocked, but quickly locked in a rear naked choke, and Phoenix ultimately passed out. So Moxley starts jaw-jacking the camera, when now comes Claudio and Wheeler to come out with crowbars. They're about to attack Phoenix, when now comes Eddie Kingston and Penta Zero. Penta El Zero. Uh, they come down and they come up on the ramp, but were stopped by the returning Ortiz, who, hey, hey, don't. All of a sudden we see, or we hear some music. We don't know what this music is. Then out comes the returning Santana. As Excalibur yells, that's Santana! That's Mike Santana! So is his name Mike Santana now, or is it just Santana? Graphic said just Santana. He attacks Penta, while Ortiz smacked Kingston with a sock full of baseballs. So, we see all this, and then all of a sudden we go back to the ring and Phoenix is laid out. So, they didn't even get the BCC hitting Phoenix with the crowbars. We're just supposed to assume they hit Phoenix with the crowbar. No, no clue if they actually did. So, the BCC, Santana and Ortiz kind of started to run off because the best friends Norris Cassidy ran out as well. Doctors were checking on Phoenix. Aberhantes and Pentagon were checking on him as well. They were calling for more people to come down. They brought out a stretcher, and this is how we're getting Phoenix out of the match. This is how we're actually getting it to be a 5-on-5 instead of a 6-on-6. If you don't know, the reason this is happening is because Phoenix can't leave the country. Not because he's in trouble or anything, but Phoenix is trying to become a, Cal uh, not California, a um, United States resident. And to do so, you have to prove that you've been living in the country for X amount of time. I don't know exactly how long that is. We can look it up. How long do you need to live in the States to be a resident? One year. You have to, be in the you have to live in the country and not leave it for a full year, at least to try to claim a residency. And so that's why Phoenix didn't go to Triple Mania. That's why he was stripped of the titles. That's why he's not going to All In, because he's trying to become a resident of the United States. He can't leave the country for a year. So they did this segment. Cool. I must say Santana looked jacked. Bigger than I've ever seen him. Santana looked good. He looked jacked. He looked, he looked ready to go. We haven't seen Santana in over a year. But as far as all that goes, give me one quick second. Okay. As far as all that goes, the match now, I'm going to pull the graphic up on the screen to show you guys. Match now will be... Whoops. There we go. The match is now official. And we did a... um. 
betting odds video earlier today. This match was not listed because the match wasn't fully official. But the match now will be the BCC, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta teaming with Santana and Ortiz against Eddie Kingston, Penta, El Zero Miedo, and uh, best friends Chuck and Trent and Orange Cassidy. So that is the official lineup for this match now. Um, at one point, they did show us that Phoenix was loaded into an ambulance, and Penta and Abrahantes went with him. As Kingston, best friends, Lawrence Cassidy, are all left watching it drive away. Renee Paquette then approached and wanted a comment from Kingston, but he refused, telling her that her husband did this, saying if she wants to fix this, he'll fix it at all in. So I like, kind of. You know what I mean? Bringing her into this, being like, I ain't talking to you. That's your husband who, who did this to my friend. So. We then get a pre-recorded comment. Or we get pre-recorded comments of Renee Paquette with Sammy Guevara asking him about what happened with Chris Jericho at the hands of Don Callis and Will Ospreay last week. Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Daniel Garcia interrupted and said Jericho accepted the offer last week while Callis was exactly who they thought he was. Guevara said that Jericho was about friendship and said that he would always have his back. Parker said that they are making sure Guevara doesn't make the same mistake that Jericho did, and questions if Jericho would even be there for Guevara if Guevara needed him. Menard and Parker left, while Guevara took a second to kind of think about things, and then walked away. And then we see he does come out with Jericho for the contract signing between Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. Tony Schiavone announces both men out to the ring, as security is already there. Don Callis accompanied Osprey as Sammy Guevara, like I stated, accompanied Jericho. Callis took the microphone and said that he did what he did last week because, because of, excuse me, he did what he did last week because in his words, he called him, Will, by God, Osprey. Because it's no longer Will, or it's no longer Kenny, by God, Omega. It's Will, by God, Osprey now. Uh, the only thing better than having Jericho and his family would be knowing he could end Jericho's career. Callus got Osprey's help because he promised Jericho he promised Jericho's head on a platter at Wembley. Callus brought up a few years ago when Jericho nearly died in London. But on Sunday, he wanted to make sure Osprey finishes the job. Osprey then questioned if Jericho is taking this match seriously or if he's just using this as a way to get his band to perform live on the show. Osprey mentions wrestling at an indie show a day before All In and said that he's doing this for his family. Osprey said that he'll be able to say he's beaten Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kazuchika Okada in the span of less than two months. He said his contract is up in six months with New Japan Pro Wrestling and talks about how he, how everyone will be vying for his services. And he wants millions of dollars because he's better than the elite, better than Brian Danielson, better than CM Punk, and of course, better than Chris Jericho. Osprey respects Jericho's legacy but he's using it as rocket fuel for his future before signing a new contract. So that's a thing. That is a real thing. Osprey's contract is coming up. And Osprey's contract could be up in the next six months because as we have listed on our website, you know, it's been known for a little while now. Let me pull this up on the... Uh, let me pull this up right here. Will Osprey's contract was known to expire in early... 2024. So six months from now would be 
September, October, November, December, January, February. So February-ish, I guess you could say. Jericho congratulated Osprey on his recent accomplishments, but said that it's thanks to him. Five years ago, Jericho called Osprey and told him, tone down the style before you shorten your career, like his hero, Dynamite Kid, as many predicted. Jericho knew before anyone else, Osprey would be one of the top stars in this business, as this match has been in the works for many years. But thanks to the lockdown in 2021, it couldn't happen at the Tokyo Dome. Jericho said that this is the biggest show of his career, and while Osprey is coming from the bottom, Jericho is coming to this match at the top. Jericho signed the contract and told Osprey prove it to his family and countrymen that he could beat Curse Jericho. Excuse me. Osprey then slapped the microphone out of Jericho's hands, but Jericho slapped Osprey on his ass as security separated the two, and the match was made official. So there we go. It's happening as we already knew. It's weird. In wrestling, I understood what the contract signing is supposed to do. But when has a contract signing ever made sense? When the match is already made official. Why does this match need a contract signing? But Stadium Stampede doesn't need a contract signing. The woman's four-way doesn't need a contract signing. You know, um, Sting and Darby versus Christian and Swerve doesn't need a contract. Adam Cole and and Adam Cole and MJF kind of got a contract signing, but it's like matches just get announced. So why do they need a contract signing? That's always been my thing. We go back to another edition of Sessions with Renee Paquette. Renee is backstage with Adam Cole and immediately shows him some highlights of their blossoming bromance over the past few months. Cole said that while he's had a ton of fun with Max, it's Max that's helped him find his confidence yet again. Paquette talked about uh, the gold Cold could come away with after this Sunday. Considering everything he's gone through with the injury and whatnot, Cole got into wrestling because of the best wrestlers on the planet win, win world titles. He said, I won world titles everywhere, but winning the AEW world title will just cement my legacy. Paquette brings up Roderick Strong in the kingdom and shows a clip from a few months back of Cole telling Strong, yeah, I know you can't trust MJF, and I'm just playing along to get what I want. Cole said that he couldn't believe that people don't understand, that people can change, and that he and Max are real friends, and that there's no issues between them. And before this goes on any farther, he's leaving. Walking away, he doesn't need to take this. Boy, is, is Cole turning on, on Max. They're wanting you to think that you can't trust Max. No, I think Max can't trust Adam. I really do. I really do. Um, oh, I forgot this. Yes, Jonathan, thank you. Jonathan says, uh, Jericho's, Jericho noted, this is bigger than any WrestleMania. This is bigger than the Tokyo Dome. So, from the standpoint of the amount of people that are going to be in the building, yes, bigger than any Tokyo Dome show, bigger than any WrestleMania. From a how many people are going to be in that building standpoint? Bigger as far as importance? Maybe to an extent, because this is the biggest show non-put on by WWE. So that's also a big deal. That, you know, only WWE can do over 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people, 80,000 people, but not anymore. Now, yes, this is the first time they're going to London. This is the first time they're running... There. So is this an anomaly? 
Do they go to London next year and only get 10,000 people in a building? I mean, look at, and I know we're still like a month away, but look at Grand Slam. Grand Slam has done 22,000 fans. Right now, they only sold 5,000 tickets because they go too often. They've done the show already. That's that that spectacle of 20,000 people in that building by AEW has already been done. So, is this a one-time thing? Is AEW going to do this show for the first time in the UK with all these people that have never been able to go to an AEW show and want to go to an AEW show? And then they come back next year and not be able to do this much, whether that's in Wembley or another building? Do they go to another place next year that's like go to arena where they can do 20,000 and then get 10, 5? That's going to be the big question is, yes, the show is going to be big on a standpoint of the amount of people that are there, and it's the biggest non-WWE show ever. But in actuality, from a standpoint of importance with stories and this and that, there's really only like two matches on this entire show that has any build. It's the MJF Adam Cole match and Stadium Stampede because they've been building up the John, because this this match is really John Moxley. It's just the culmination, I believe, and maybe not even, but possibly the culmination of the John Moxley Eddie Kingston story that's been building up for a long time. It's basically Team Mox versus Team Kingston, and so like from an importance standpoint, it's important. But is it bigger than a WrestleMania? I don't think so, because WrestleMania matches, for the most part, mean things are important matches. Are matches with build-up. Matches with revelance. Matches that people are excited to see because of the story and not just, oh, those two wrestling each other should be fun. Oh, Jericho Osprey, that's cool. Ooh, Stadium Stampede. Ah, Sting in a coffin match. Like, so, I, I don't know how to feel and I feel like we gotta wait for the show and see how it all goes going forward. I will say that I should have Baby Huey on the review with me this Sunday. So that should be fun. Me and Baby Huey going back and forth, talking all in. But yeah, as far as does this show feel like it's going to be bigger than a WrestleMania? No. Feel-wise, no. Look-wise, as big. But A, we're coming up on the 40th WrestleMania. So WrestleMania just means something overall. Yeah, again, I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Most of these matches are just thrown together matches that you could see on a Fighter Fest episode of Dan Dynamite. Like tonight was a Fighter Fest episode. What does Fighter Fest even mean? It means nothing. It's a show like you they're just matches you could see on any random Dynamite to be honest, a lot of them. Like we'll we'll go through the card here in a little bit, but nothing feels and and maybe cuz WrestleMania just means more. Nothing feels big. Nothing feels WrestleMania like. Other than, and a lot of people don't even feel this, Max and Adam. And that almost doesn't even feel as big as a WrestleMania match because there's been too much comedy with it. But it's the biggest built-up match on this show, for sure. Why? Hence why it's the main event and not like FTR and the Young Bucks. I mean, that's another match that kind of has been built up, but not really. It's kind of just like, Hey, these two have fought before. They're one and or these two teams have fought before. They're one and one. So let's just do a rubber match on this big show because it's a big show and they both, you know, both teams want to be on it. So again, another match that kind of was just thrown out there with the 
Again, it, it, this also doesn't make sense to me. The champion's making the challenge. What? Or when they lose the titles, if they lose the titles, they're going to look dumb because they picked the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks beat the, I don't know. Anyways, moving forward, we got Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus Swerve Strickland and A.R. Fox. And poof, they ain't doing Nick Wayne any goddamn favors. Yeah, Nick Wayne may have picked up the pin here, but then they tell you right after, Nick Wayne, nothing more than a child, a kid, an 18-year-old that shouldn't be beating these adults, these men, basically. This is a tornado tag with Nick Wayne's mom sitting in the front row. Never seen her before. She's a very attractive lady. I will say that for sure. Um, Strickland launched Allen into the ring or, or into the ringside uh, early. Wayne was crotched in the corner, and Fox did an impressive springboard German out of the corner. Like this looked holy crap good. This was a cool spot. Fox then followed this up with an imploding senton to the floor and ripped his tank top, soaked in Nick Wayne's blood from last month off because he wore that same shirt. And Prince Nana threw, uh, threw the shirt at Nick Wayne's mom. Strickland and Fox then wanted a double brain buster on the apron, but Allen and Wayne fought free, and Wayne hit a double Wayne's world off the ropes to the floor while Allen hit a coffin drop heading into a commercial break. The match then spills into the crowd where Allen used his body as a wrecking ball, charging and launching into Strickland. Fox showed the beaten-up Wayne to his mother before launching him over the barricade where Strickland hit a snap suplex. In the ring, Strickland and Fox hit rolling flatliners and drop kicks, but Wayne tried to fight back with a Wayne's World only to jump into a powerbomb neckbreaker combination. At one point, Nick Wayne was bleeding from the nose. Allen then sent Strickland to the outside, and hit a low tope that nearly sent both men through the bottom of the announce table. Allen took too long to set up Strickland on a chair and ate a, ate a fox vaulting moonsault. And then a swerve stomp on the apron. Um, Nick Wayne then ate a Strickland pump kick and fo a fox corkscrew brain buster for a two. Fox connected with a rolling cradle brain buster, but Wayne kicked out. Strickland then connected with a, a kill shot. But once more, Wayne kicked out. Fox then missed a 450. Wayne rolled him up. Allen tripped up Fox so he couldn't, or uh, Allen tripped up Strickland so he couldn't break up the pin. And one, two, three, Nick Wayne gets the victory. So Nick Wayne pins AR Fox. And I'm like, cool. Nick Wayne just won the match. Awesome. I love it. Then you got Taz. Oh, that kid just pinned AR Fox. I'm like, oh no. What? And so. Fox is in the ring, Swerve's in the ring, Nana's in the ring, and Swerve gets a mic, and he's like, ha, 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 He's like laughing all stupid-like, and he's like, you know, man, you disappointed me. This, this was a test to see if you even can hang, but no, you're a loser, and you lost to an 18-year-old child. An 18-year-old child. And you think, that I'm going to be able to trust you, Fox, in front of 80,000 people in Wembley? He then told Prince Nana, do the light work. Nana then looked at Fox and told him, Fox, you're fired from the Mughal Embassy. And then Ryan Cage would appear and lay out Fox with the drill claw. And I'm like, oh, well, this, this didn't last long. And it just gets dumber. Just keep, keep, keep listening if you didn't see it. Fox gets taken out. 
Darby and Nick Wayne come back down the ramp. Strickland, Cage, and Nana jump out of the ring. Sting appears. Darby Allen says that, you know what? You don't deserve this. After all, we've been through. We're cool. And he picks up AR Fox and hugs him. What? This man tried to kill Nick Wayne about three weeks ago. And you're cool with it? What the fuck, Darby? Nick Wayne's probably sitting there going, Yo! This man left me for dead. Busted the window in my, my garage. And you're cool with him? I don't know what Nick, Mom's Wayne was, Nick Wayne's mom was thinking, sitting there ringside, where Darby just goes, Hey, we cool. I wouldn't be here without you, so yeah. Dumb! So then, Swerve's on the ramp. And he talks about how, oh, you guys think, you think I don't got this all planned out. You think I don't got a, a plan for, for Sunday. Well, I do. And out comes TNT champions, Chris Cage and Luchasaurus. Cage immediately took a cheap shot. Talked about Nick Wayne's dead father, Buddy Wayne, who he's never heard of. He's like, well, never heard of him. That means it's probably no good. Which means you ain't got nothing to really live up to. He also said since his father was a talentless hack, then maybe he needs somebody else to raise him. Somebody else to mentor him. Somebody else that can love him. Cage made a super distasteful comment about Wayne watching yet another coffin door closed on a loved one. Basically saying that Darby's going to be locked in the coffin on Sunday. Cage then stumbled on his promo a little bit at the end, trying to talk more trash, and then just wrapped it up. So, it is now official at the pay-per-view, at All In in Wembley. It is going to be Darby Allen and Sting in a coffin match against Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Now remember, Luchasaurus is defending the TNT Championship against uh, Darby the next week at All Out. So let me go to yet another session of Sessions with Renee Paquette. Renee's sitting there between both the Young Bucks and FTR. Wheeler, Cash Wheeler that is, said that this is simply about who the better team is. And the Young Bucks agreed. Paquette asked, if this is the biggest match of either team's career. Nick and Matt said, absolutely. But FTR. So this was weird. So Matt and Nick goes, yeah, absolutely. This is our best, the biggest match of our career. And Nick goes, but we don't have to win. They have to win to cement their legacy. If they beat us, it's good for them. Basically, Nick and Matt are saying, if we beat them, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, we get the tag titles. Like, beating them means nothing. It's basically what they said. What the fuck? So... FDR then agrees it's the biggest match of their career as well. But this goes beyond the tag team championships as the only team that stands between them and their legacy. Well, it's the Young Bucks. Matt said if FTR forgot that, Matt said if FTR forgot that it was the Bucks who brought them into AEW and helped them cement their legacy. The legacy will be the guys who the Bucks named on their YouTube show. 
and got them over. Harwood said, no, no, no. You used our name to get yourselves over and then brought us here. Harwood said that the Bucks call themselves the foundation, but they are the real foundation. They will crack the Bucks foundation at all in. So yeah, it was cool. Whatever. Um, Dax did one of those, you know, uh, this is how I feed my family, my wife and my daughter. And then Matt made fun of him. It's always about your family and your daughter. And yeah, so just more of the same, really. It's more of the same. So then we get Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. A lot of this match happened during a break. And so Ruby comes out. No Soraya. Soraya's already in the UK doing media. But Tony Storm walks out with her and she sends Tony to the back. So there's an inset promo playing where basically Tony or uh, Ruby says, one of my best friends will be bringing the women's championship to the outcast this Sunday. And that's not the only championship we're looking at because I'm looking right at you, Chris Statlander and that TBS championship. And I will be coming for it. So now comes Ruby. So or sky blue. Sky blue then starts to cut an inset promo. The video is playing and all of a sudden it just cuts because Ruby attacks her before the match even starts. So they're fighting. And Soho had the early advantage going. Uh, early advantage going until she forearmed her way out of the corner and sent Soho. Uh, uh, Blue sent Soho to the floor with a thrust kick and a crossbody off the apron. After the break, Soho was in control and ate a spinning low kick and a running knee in the ropes by Blue. Going up to the top, Blue connected with a high crossbody. And then she went for the Skyfall, but, well, settled for a rolling neckbreaker. A little clunky here. After trading some near falls, Blue was able to hit the Skyfall, but Soho kicked out. Soho then avoided a code Blue as both ladies traded thrust kicks until Soho hit the No Future and Dead Destination Unknown to pick up the victory. So there we go. Ruby Soho gets the win. Nothing to the match at all again. A lot of it happened during the break. And yeah, no mention of the world title women's world title match other than Ruby going, one of my best friends is going to bring the title home. But yeah. What the fuck? This is the only thing you do to build up all in? You do a match with people not on the show? Come on. Come on. Jeez. Like, really? Then we get more Renee Paquette. Not quite sessions because she's just in the backstage area, not at her little setup she had for the other stuff. But she's talking to Roderick Strong in the kingdom. Jazz Strong, what he knows that everyone else doesn't about Adam Cole and MJF's relationship. Strong said, at the end of All In, everyone will see who the true MJF and the true Adam Cole really are. And him in the kingdom left. That was it. Get a video package of the House of Black. They're showing on Collision, laying out the acclaimed. Malachi Black said, for Billy Gunn to rest in pain, destroying the boots of daddy ass in the back of a garbage truck. Just when we see Anthony Bones and Matt Caster, Max Caster, march down to the ring and call out the House of Black saying, hey, come out here now. We're not going to be treated like this. We're not going to talk about Billy like that, this and that. Turn the lights off. Show up. Let's go. The House of Black come out. Full entrance, I may add. Full entrance. Malachi, Brody, Buddy, Julia. They then surround the ring. Bowens and Caster were promptly beaten down before the acclaimed music hits, and everyone freezes. 
What could it be? And out comes Billy Gunn. It's daddy ass. Billy hits the ring and the House of Black run. Three men run from one guy. Big huge pop for Billy, though. I will say that. Big huge pop for Billy. Daddy Aston said the house wanted his attention, and well, now they've got it. He was okay with calling it a career until the house hurt his kids and destroyed his boots. He said two of the hardest things he ever had to do were all at once. Walk out on the acclaimed and walk out on his career. He said, but that, that ain't happening anymore. The House of Black pissed all over his Hall of Fame legacy. So, one more time. It's all or nothing. And it all in, it's the House of Black versus the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn. So it is official. At all in. AW Trios Championships will be on the line when the House of Black defend against the Acclaimed. Then they announced stuff for some other shows. They announced four things for All In. No. Four things for Collision. Pull those up on the screen. First off, they stated that uh, we'll hear from the stars of AEW from London. We'll hear from stars in London. We also learned that the FTW champion Jack Perry will retire the championship on collision. That was announced for today, and they didn't do it today. Also, we will see Orange Cassidy, Pentel Zaramieto, and Eddie Kingston take on The Butcher, The Blade, Kip Sabian. Why? What is this building at all for the pay-per-view the night next night? And then... The all-star eight-man tag that they announced last week. It's Jay White, Swerve Strickland, Luchasaurus, and Brian Cage against CM Punk, Darby Allin, Sting, and a mystery partner with Samoa Joe on commentary. You're filming this fucking thing in, in an hour. Just tell us who the mystery person is. It's not that big of a deal. Who the... F- <laughs> They're literally filming the match in the next hour and a half. It's not like you don't know yet. Just tell us. Jeez. Then they run down the card for All In in Wembley. Pull that up here and let you know everything known so far. As far as the Wembley card does go, we know that there will be a coffin match. It'll be Darby Allin and Sting taking on the team of Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. In the stadium stampede, it's the Blackpool Combat Club, Santana and Ortiz taking on the best friends, Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Pente Osero Miedo. With the AEW Trios Championships on the line, it's the House of Black defending against the acclaimed. The AEW Women's World Championship will be on the line in a fatal four-way match in Akaru Shida defends against Tony Storm, Soraya, and Britt Baker. In a trios match, it'll be Kenny Omega, Hangman, Adam Page, and Konosuke, T- no, Kota Ibushi taking on the team of Konosuke Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Also, we didn't know Chris Jericho will be going one-on-one with Will Ospreay. With a real world championship on the line, CM Punk will be defending against Samoa Joe. The AW World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when FTR defend against the Young Bucks. And finally, well, actually, first off, on the zero hour, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when Aussie Open defend against MJF and Adam Cole. And finally, in the main event of All In, the AEW World Championship on the line, it's MJF against Adam 
Oh. Also, they announced a few things for the All Out pay-per-view. First off, they announced it will be uh, the TNT Championship will be on the line when Luchasaurus defends against Darby Allen. Also, we do know that Powerhouse Hobbs will be going one-on-one -on -one with Miro. That's everything that has been announced for upcoming AEW shows over the next week and a half or so. Uh, Jonathan Klopp in the chat says, question. What's your question, bud? He says, damn, Tony Khan gives Tim a headache. A little bit. Sometimes. Like, this is not... I think he's doing too much. Tony's booking too much. He needs a little help. Because he's, he's running himself thin. Like, why can't they just tell us who the freaking all the, the final all-star is? Uh, Vegeta Lover 92 says, Tony gives everyone a headache. Uh, Jonathan says, who main events all in? Oh, that's already known. It's the world title match. It's MJF and Adam Cole. That is the main event. That is the match going on last. At least that's what they've told us for the last three to four weeks. What went on last tonight, though? A match that nobody cared about. It was Aussie Open against the Hardys with the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles on the line. And did anybody, anybody, think the Hardys were winning this? Uh-uh. Not at all. I always hate when AEW does this. You build up this big title match only for the champion to defend it a couple days prior. Like, what? Did your champ really going to lose? No! No, they're literally not going to build up MJF wanting to do the kangaroo kick to not do the match with the kangaroo guys, the Aussies. Fletcher and Davis attack at the bell, but the Hardys quickly turned the tables with poetry in motion. The Hardys remained in control as they went to the commercial after barely uh, being back for two minutes. Aussie opened, then took over, and did their signature running around the ring, ramming the backs of their opponents into each other and staying in control before returning from break. Jeff was able to fight off both men with a whisper in the wind and made the hot tag to Matt, who ran wild. He had a side effect on Fletcher and got a near fall. But as he went for a twist of fate, Fletcher spun out. Matt fought Fletcher off in the corner. He hit a superplex. Jeff then hit a splash off the second rope, only for Davis to break it up. Fletcher then saved his partner in the corner and powerbombed Matt, as Jeff was planted with an assisted Aussie arrow for the win. Not much to this match at all. I mean, the match started with like less than eight minutes left in the show. And there was nothing to this match. I couldn't care less. Post-match, Davis and Fletcher stood tall, saying that they will do the double clothesline or the kangaroo. There will be no double clothesline or kangaroo kick at all in. And Aussie Open will retain the, aid, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Championships, baby. This then led to MJF and Adam Cole walking out from the back. And they had a little face-off before everyone started a brawl. Aussie Open did have the upper hand early and wanted to do a double clothesline, but MJF and Cole fought back with some pump kicks. Davis bailed before he got caught with a double clothesline. Fletcher then avoided a kangaroo kick as MJF saved Cole from a charging Fletcher. But Cole would then nearly almost super kick MJF. So he had, like it was Fletcher... Holding them up, MJF was. 
Cole goes for the super kick. Fletcher gets out. MJF catches the foot of, of Adam Cole and looks at him like, you going to kick me? Are you going to kick me? How could MJF get mad here? Like, this makes no sense for MJF to get even the slightest, the slightest of mad. You're the one that fucked up and let the guy go. So if anyone should be mad, it should be Adam because you messed up the double team super kick. The two look like they're going to fight. MJF then grabs the world title and puts it up saying, hey, look, I'm the champion, bud. He also put the diamond, dynamite diamond ring on. Looked like he was going to clock Cole with it, but opted to hug him instead. Cole had a look on his face like, oh, that could have been bad. And then the show went off the air with the two celebrating. Cool. That doesn't get me more hyped for the match. I mean, the match should be really good. MJF does deliver in high-pressure situations. Adam Cole usually does as well. We haven't really seen much of that in AEW because he was out for so long. But just think about all his big-time NXT matches. Every banger after banger after banger after banger with so many different opponents. I I have faith that this match is going to be great as the main event. Yeah, the zero-hour tag match, it's whatever. It's whatever. I feel like one guy is going to turn on the other just to build tension for the main event. Because I, I, There's just something in me. There's something in me that feels like they're not going into that main event as buds. They're not going into that main event as best friends. But with that, guys, that is everything that took place tonight on AEW Dynamite. I forgot to do the Twitch poll, but we do have the other polls. We'll go and look at those. As far as those polls do, do go, let's refresh them really quickly. Refresh, or refresh, or refresh. <clears throat> so, as far as the Twitter X poll does go, 67% liked the show, 21% thought it was just all right, and 10% did not like it. Looking over at the YouTube community poll, 73% liked the show, 17% thought it was just all right, and 10% didn't like it. Some of the comments here, this person says, Tonight's All Elite Wrestling Dynamite show was, to me, or to me, was a great go-home show leading into the pay-per-view event that is coming up Sunday. It says, I like the return of Santana and Ortiz. They're the two mystery partners. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Luke predicted that last week. This person says, last week was awesome. This week was amazing. Versus says, great, 9 out of 10. Versus says, fantastic, 10 out of 10. Versus says, uh, some things I liked, other things not really, 7 out of 10. Versus says, I liked the show tonight. The matches were great. Versus says, extremely disappointing go-home show, leading to AEW's biggest show to date. And this person says, Don Callis absolutely sucks as an on-screen character. No, you're just not supposed to like him. And finally, the YouTube live poll, 65% liked the show, 26% thought it was just all right, and 9% did not like it. So with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PeteWUnlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, in about an hour or so, maybe a little less, I'm going to be live right here, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, Twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy, playing WrestleQuest. We're going to hang out. We're going to play that new WrestleQuest game that we're featured in and have some fun with that, guys. Have a great rest of your night. We'll be back live later tonight or 
for some of you Friday for the wrestling wrap-up and SmackDown. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.